Episode number three. Welcome everybody to the podcast. <laughs> That'll uh, have to bring the volume down on that later in the edit. <laughs> so yeah, we've got kind of a special treat today. Uh, previously recorded me and Dan got to hop on a Zoom call with Carl Miller uh, of Carl S. Miller Weddings and then also Omega Wedding Films. Someone that I've gotten uh, the pleasure of working with a whole bunch and have second shot a lot of weddings for him, um, both with him directly and then also just for his company, Omega. So it's been pretty fun. Yeah. Uh, it was awesome to get to know him. I heard about him a lot through you, and um, I've seen some of his wedding films, and I know that he has an R5. He's the first person that we know with an R5, so I was filled mm-hmm. with jealousy and obviously wanted to kill him and hate him, but... Uh, just an awesome dude uh, and really cool to hear his start he started with uh, kind of a similar story to us so I'm excited yep. for our, our listeners to hear it both of you yep definitely yep all two of you will enjoy it yeah. <laughs> which probably me and Dan's family it's <laughs> <laughs> so true so yeah with uh, without further ado we'll uh, launch into the the interview with Carl So thanks, Carl, for joining us. Uh, I'd like to kind of quickly introduce Carl a little bit. We'll ask you more about yourself in a second, but essentially Carl um, runs Carl S. Miller Weddings, Omega Wedding Films. I'm sure you probably have like six other brands maybe I'm forgetting about. (laughs) Um, But Carl is a a wedding videographer, photographer. You also have done a lot of commercial work, I know, as well. Uh, And we'll hear much, much more from you uh, in this podcast. But we're we're thrilled to have you. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, It's uh, my pleasure, Aaron and Dan. I'm I'm so glad you guys uh, invited me to be on. Yeah. Thanks for being here. Definitely. So, uh, uh, like I said, um, kind of before we started this, Dan and I both have a couple of questions we'd kind of like to just ask you about and learn a little bit about your experience and your, you know, kind of tenure in the industry and all that. Mm -hmm. And hopefully anybody out there listening might get, you know, inspired or some ideas or help as well as kind of the goal. So... Yeah, I'm, I'm certainly going to be a, an open book on all this stuff. Awesome. So, uh, uh, awesome. I want it to be helpful. <laughs> cool. Sounds great. Well, what I'd love to kind of start off with, Dan, if you're okay with it too, is uh, Carl, would you just tell us a little bit about what you do and um, kind of how long you've been doing it? Yeah, you actually summarized it and probably gave a better elevator speech than I usually do, Aaron. So I'm going to have to pay you to follow me around everywhere. <laughs> um, yeah, no. Uh, yeah, I do. Most people know me um, as a wedding uh, videographer and photographer. Uh, but yeah, I do own and operate a couple different businesses under uh, thankfully only two different LLCs. So <laughs> taxes aren't uh, that messy and complicated for me. <laughs> it could be a lot worse. Um, but yeah, so most of it is weddings. I'd say maybe 70% of revenue is is on the wedding industry. And then the other 30% will be commercial stuff, uh, which you know every year looks different for me when it comes to my commercial work. Sometimes it's more than others and in different industries. Most of it has been uh, in the hospitality industry. So um, um, you know, I'll go to resorts and film a lot of their content. Um, but uh, as far as when I got started, oh man, we'd have to go back. Um, 2011, I think, is when I uh, started my LLC and started charging money <laughs> for using my camera. Uh, but I think I got into it like a lot of people uh, do. Either they uh, find they have a love for taking photos and then they have friends who say, hey, those are those are pretty good. And then it kind of sinks in. Well, maybe I could do something uh, with this. Uh, and so I remember I got got my first, my first camera was a Canon 60D, probably that same, same year, 2011. And man, I didn't know what I was doing, but, uh, I, uh, sure had fun <laughs> making a lot of mistakes and, and learning along the way. And, uh, so that would be, uh, nine years or so now, I guess I've been doing it. Yep. Wow. Um, yeah. So I went full time though. So, I mean, like most people, you know, I wasn't making 50 grand a year in 2011 with my 60D. That's for sure. Um, you weren't right off the bat. No, no, right off the bat, man. <laughs> uh, not even close. Yeah. So I got into it, uh, doing concert photography, actually. That was kind of my start. Um, you know, my buddies were all in bands and I have zero musical ability. Oh my gosh. Like, yeah, it's pretty bad. So uh, anyways, uh, I was essentially 
essentially at the front row of all their concerts and all the bars they would they would play up in Phoenix and it'd be like me and all the girls who wanted to sleep with my guy friends in the band and so I was a, <laughs> essentially I was a groupie and so I was like I need to contribute somehow to the band so like I'll be the band photographer so that's kind of where I started to to learn the craft really was shooting in really poorly lit bars in Phoenix with the nifty 50, which was not able to focus in that kind of lighting condition on my 60 D. <laughs> so I was doing manual focus at 1.8 and all these Whoa, concerts wow. and, and with, with terrible ISO performance. <laughs> so like all the limitations you could have um, in photography were, were kind of there to this, you know, with the start. So that was kind of a good ringer to kind of learn limitations of, of gear uh, and, and kind of learn how to do what we do with uh, as minimal amount of headache later in post and uh, trying to maximize what you can deliver. Uh, but from there, it was like an easy segue into music videos. You know, I'm there taking all these photos and then my buddies are like, hey, could you like put that into the movie mode and like make a music video for us. So yeah, I could totally do that. So I started doing some music videos and um, I think one of them is still on YouTube. Uh, the band was called Sweet 88. And if you want to go look it up, it's called Devil's Feet from Sweet 88. Um, Definitely. Yeah. So that was probably, that was. <laughs> Aaron's this, looking it up right now. <laughs> yeah, you guys can go check I'm that making out. a note. That was all shot on a 60D. Um, but anyways, no. So what you'll learn quick is if you do music videos or anything like that, is that a lot of bands who want a music video don't have a lot of money to pay for a music video. Um, and like doing that kind of work is awesome. But as far as like, a viable career path it's really hard um unless you're kind of like a in the middle area where you have like an indie band that has like a smaller label with some funds for that kind of stuff but like if you're just like a local band like i don't know many at least i never got approached by bands who were like yeah we have like four thousand dollars to spend on a music video that we you know we recorded in our garage and mixed ourselves like <laughs> i'm sure those bands are out there but i wasn't working with many of them unfortunately um so i kind of segued into weddings I had a friend who was getting wedding or getting wedding uh getting married and uh uh, I offered Pretty to, wedded. yeah, I offered to shoot her, uh, her wedding for free and God, it turned out so terrible. Uh, so I'm glad I didn't charge her. Uh, but yeah, I shot that for, <laughs> for free. Um, and she liked it. Everybody liked it. Like I was remember I was running around like with like basically like a suit on. Cause I was, I had never been to a wedding before I filmed my first one. So really? like, um, yeah, I, I, I mean, I must've been trying to, I, that year must've been 2012 or something. Did, Maybe. did they know you had never been to a wedding? <laughs> Let alone filmed one. <laughs> no, um, but I mean, if somebody's like, "Hey, do you have a wedding videographer?" <laughs> and they say no, and I'm like, "Well, I can do it for free if you want." Most people would be like, "Sure, why not?" Um, oh yeah. So, anyways, uh, yeah, I was always like, just I remember sweating my butt off, and I had this slider. It was a terrible slider from Amazon, and I'm sorry if I'm going too much off on this tangent, but it was. No, I love this. No, not at all. I'm just in a long-winded way saying that my first wedding was a cluster uh and uh yeah it was it was it probably about how everybody's first wedding goes uh and uh i liked it though it was challenging and i remember like reviewing my shots and thinking oh i should have done this or i could have done this better and then having some shots just like wow this is actually pretty beautiful um and then from there it just kind of grew to uh other people who were getting married who were friends and i remember the first one i charged which was then my second wedding was i charged them five hundred dollars and I was so nervous to tell them that it was going to cost $500. I, was, I remember I met them at <laughs> Cartel Coffee in Tucson off of uh, Campbell. We met and, and so I was like, it was like I was doing like, a, I was in, I was in grad school at this time. So it was like, I was doing like a presentation. I remember I like prepared for it. And then I was like going to get to the end and say, and I can give you all this for $500 and just like, you know, your stomach <laughs> just turns over and uh, they were like, oh yeah, that sounds, that sounds fair. So, so my second wedding was $500. Um, yeah. I mean, I would, I would agree to that. There's nothing worse than like writing on a piece of paper and sliding it over and being like, please don't reject me. Yeah, yeah. We've, we've all had that feeling. Yeah. Thankfully, yeah, the numbers sure. the numbers have, have grown a lot larger than $500 since then. Uh, but uh, but yeah, that was my second wedding. And that one was a lot better. Uh, like the difference in quality from the first one I did for free to the second one was huge because I think I got serious about it. The first one was like, I'm going to try this out, see what it's like, see if I could do it, see if I like it. And the answer was yes to all those questions. So I was like, okay, well, let's like actually have a second shooter who kind of knows what they're doing and actually, you know, bust my ass, try and actually film prep uh, and try and get the whole day, you know, stay toward, like till the end, um, <laughs> you know, uh, figure out how, how to denoise your footage in post because 6400 <laughs> when your fastest lens was like a 1.8 and your wide angle was like a the kit lens, which was like 
F4. Uh, so just having to deal with all uh, those struggles, yeah. you know. Um, yeah. But uh, but yeah, so I, I grew slowly and then it kind of ramped up. I think I jumped from $500 to $2,000 for my third wedding. Uh, wow. Be- because at that time I had built a website uh, and I put those films up. And this, I mean, I, I mean, I'll have to go back and look because I'm not entirely sure the year, but I don't know, 2013, 2000, yeah, probably 2012 or 2013, that website was up. Um, and there just weren't a lot of people in Tucson doing uh, wedding videography at that time. I mean, all the mm-hmm. top dogs were still shooting in 2011, 2012 were like a 5D Mark II. Uh, so it was still kind of in the infancy of of, of, of the industry of wedding film, films in particular, but um, like especially in Tucson where there just weren't that many choices. So it, it kind of, it worked well for me and uh, I'm happy I, nice. I love doing weddings. Yeah. <laughs> Now, did you uh, immediately get into the photography side of it or did that come later? Yeah. So I know I was filming weddings before I was photographing them. Um, you know, I was doing photos before video with, with concert photography uh, before I segued into video. But uh, for weddings, I, I did look at it from like a business perspective. I looked at the market and I was kind of, you know, saying, hey, like, you know, do I want to be a small fish in a big pond or rather a big yeah. fish in a small pond or, you know, the inverse of that, that saying. And I thought there was just more opportunity for video. So that's kind of what I went for. Um, not because I like that medium more than, than still work. I like them both. And I'd say I like them both evenly, um, except for maybe post for, for weddings. Sometimes doing photos is a little, little mm. less demanding. Um, oh, way less demanding. Let's be real. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, you can listen to music while you do it too. Yeah. So I mean, they, they both have their, their, their pros and cons and I'm really lucky and privileged that I can do both now because, uh, I don't get burnt out because it's like a totally different part of the, well, it's not different part of the brain, but uh, different workflow and pose, different yep. approach on the day. And it really uh, is like a variety uh, spice for me. So nice. I, I like doing both now. But uh, but yeah, I started with video for weddings, but photography, you know, to learn how my camera works, you know, what aperture does, how ISO affects that, what shutter speed does. And, you know, shooting concerts kind of ingrained all those skills into me that translated pretty easily over to doing the video side of things. It's funny that you started with concert photography. I feel like, Dan, you started with that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's how I started. And that was, uh, I, I didn't necessarily start with that, um, but that was what I did the most at first of. And it was, again, for, you know, friends who were in bands and stuff. Um, I think Dan is probably, well, you did, uh, uh, what was the group, I forget, in Phoenix? Uh uh, elevation worship yeah, that right. I did there. Elevation, yeah. Yeah. Uh, my first one was like private party for Crest Insurance, a Tucson nice. company. And the owner had brought in Eddie Money to play oh, cool. at the hut. Oh, and God, the hut. Yeah. So Eddie Money was there. And the coolest part was Eddie Money, you know, we all know his songs, you know, Take Me Home Tonight and all that stuff. But he plays with his family. So his his daughter, daughter was is there, his backup right? singer. Yeah. And his and his, his son was the drummer. And cool. so so, yeah, it was it, it, like he only plays one gig a month. Well, he's dead now, but he only played one gig at a, t- a month and it would pay for the whole rest wow. of his month. And he they just lived in an RV and traveled around. But that was one of my I had my an ADD was my first camera. And uh, I shot with uh, the Nifty 50 and an ADD uh, at the hut. <laughs> Terrible lighting. You and I had like the same start. Uh, I'm trying to think of the, the, the hut. That's there in Chandler, right? Up in up in. No, that's in, that's in Tucson. The hut's on on fourth. It's the one with the big tiki. Yeah, I remember now. I remember now. Yeah, um, yeah. I got lucky in that. Similarly, my friends' uh, band. You know, they were a Phoenix Station KUPD. They had Battle of the Bands. Uh, yeah. They won. They got to open for. It's a parody band uh, called Steel Panther. I don't know if you guys have heard of them. Uh, and then they played. Uh, they played Alice. I can Cooper's. imagine what kind of music they play. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like hard rock. And uh, yeah. and uh, they opened uh, for Alice Cooper's or got to play at Alice Cooper's Christmas uh, pudding thing up there oh, wow. at Comerica Theater. Oh, wow. um, so, uh, yeah. And the thing for KUPD was that, um, uh, what's the venue called? Um, I forgot off the top of my head, but you know, it's a larger kind of venue seats, like 2000 and, you know, I got like the photo pass and stuff. So wow. it was, it was, it was like That's reinforcing, awesome. you know, like when you're first starting out in a craft and you have these sort of moments where like you feel good about it and it feels like you have some sort of success. Those were really instrumental for me early on. Like I still have the, the photo pa- celebrity theater. That's what it was called. Oh yeah. yeah. So I, you know, getting the photo credential for celebrity theater, which has like this revolving stage in the middle and like the photo pit all around it, uh, you know, super cool. And so those little moments, like they kind of feed you 
Um, not to go on a, off on another tangent, but I was in grad school for, for four years. I was studying school psychology and I worked out in Marana as a school psychologist for one year. And, uh, like I love, I love doing that job and I could still probably do that career and be super happy in it. Um, but I, having something that was like a visual medium for me was really novel in that I had something to show for my work and something to show for all this effort I put into it, which wasn't something I had previously, you know, I got a degree in history and psychology and then like you're helping people. It's very interpersonal and wonderful in that respect. But, you know, when say people ask, hey, what do you do? I, I, I couldn't point to anything and show them something. Like, oh, yeah, I spent, you know, 40 hours working on this. Um, so yeah. having I that, built this vehicle. Or yeah, I, yeah. Yeah. Having something tangible was really, really something that I that that resonated with me. So I kind of went full in. But those those early victories, like getting a photo pass or, or going to go shoot and then getting to also shoot like a larger act that's nationally known or something like those. Those, those things make you feel good and I think are super motivating. And if you get those, yeah, like use them, use them as like kindling and fire. That's that's pretty awesome. That uh, the sh- the the pictures of Eddie Money, the manager of the hut, ended up sending me a message and asking if he could post them on their Instagram and stuff. It was it was nothing. I mean, but at the time, I was like, oh man, my pictures are being used I'm being for published rather than just yeah my dumb hobby or something. It's always <laughs> a good feeling. I have to say, um, you guys both started off with way better cameras than I did. Uh, technically, my first camera, <laughs> technically my first one was an iPhone 4S because uh, I would borrow my, I would borrow a T1i from my dad a lot, uh, and then he took it back for whatever reason. So I would have to use my iPhone because I had, I had like an itch to do photography and play with light and stuff like that. So I used the iPhone for a while, and then I, got, and then I splurged and got a refurbished T3i. So I upgraded a little bit. And had that yeah. for a while. Yeah, I was debating between the T3i and the 90D and somehow I, or the 60D rather, because they were out at the same time. And I remember I somehow convinced myself that I needed to, you know, go for the, the higher end model <laughs> and spend all my savings. You made a good choice. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, the 60D was my first quote real camera. Uh, but I, I definitely found that I like taking photos before that. Like I had an old Sony power shot that I, you know, I traveled with and I went to Ireland and I remember the pictures I took on that trip were the first that I was proud of. Like, I don't know if you remember this first moment where you create an image and you're like, Hey, like there's something here. Like this looks nice. I am proud of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that first feeling happened for me, like in 2008. So it took, you know, a couple of years before, you know, I thought about it more and I was like, Hey, I can justify spending money on this and, uh, thinking about it yeah. from like a business perspective. So, um, it, it can, it can oh, be yeah. kind of a slow burn sometimes for people. Mine was real slow. I, I bought a, I bought a, uh, my first digital camera in 2002 and the, the megapixels were terrible on it. It was a Kodak that's on sale for like $79. Nice. At Best Buy on Black Friday, when when I was with my my aunt and uncle in D.C., we went like four in the morning to get it, and the battery would last for probably twenty five pictures. Need to charge it again, and then that next year, I was like, I want something really nice, and uh, I bought a Canon L, and it had like it was like little, it looked like a credit card, and then it had yep. this little tiny zoom lens that popped out, and I took that to England, Ireland, and Scotland, and those were the first pictures that I was like, this is fun. Yeah. I like taking photos. Man, Dan, you and I sound pretty similar. Yeah, very similar. Super similar. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. You guys also both started before I did by a lot. I'm old though, Aaron. Yeah, but Carl's younger than me, I think. So there's no excuse there. Yeah, I'm, I'm to, I guess, just put my age out there. I'm, yeah, I'm 32. <laughs> 32, yeah. Well, I just turned 35. Dan just turned 45. I'm just kidding. Whoa, I just turned, <laughs> I did just turn 40. Aaron and I's birthdays are the day after. Oh, that's cool. Was it actually 40? I thought you were, I thought that was next year. No, this is, I was born in 1980. Uh, this is 40. Oh, dude. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I feel like I missed out on that. I should, I need to like send you a cake. You should have been razzing me this whole time. I know, dang. My daughter says I'm only going to use talk to text now have the brightness all the way up the bold feature and the largest font on my phone yep and turn your ring around loud very loud like seven times (laughs) yeah yeah get a belt clip in the bank yeah (laughs) all those things well awesome so um thanks for sharing all that carl um you actually answered a few of the questions i had set up anyways so i think the tangent the tangent worked out yeah so how I, I have a couple questions for you. Well, one, I, I think we should tell people that you guys, uh, Aaron, you've worked for Carl, right? Like, yes, uh, for some weddings doing doing uh, the second shooter or the some video. Um, but from what I understand, Carl, you, you are by coastal. What what, uh, what 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 led you to be Arizona and also worldwide? <laughs> uh, yeah, I, uh, I I am married to a, uh, a very smart woman who's the smart one in the relationship. And uh, so she she's an academic 
academia. So she, we met at U of A. Um, I mean, I've slowly made my way more east, actually. So uh, we met at U of A in Arizona. Uh, she did a, a postdoc. So after she got her PhD at U of A, she did some more work in Kentucky. So that brought us out to Lexington, Kentucky. We were there for a couple of years. And then more, more recently, uh, last year, she got a position at the University of Pittsburgh. So so now we're living in Pittsburgh. And so, wow. yeah, spread out and we can talk about the obstacles of moving a business more than once. And it, especially one that's sort of geographically and uh, referral based, geographically constrained and referral based. Uh, you know, yep. definitely there's a learning curve there and there's some pros and some cons. Uh, but yeah, so I am more portable than, than she is. Uh, and so it's been easy to move to other locations. Uh, sorry. Speaking of phones going off. Um, <laughs> Let me silence that. Oh, you're all good. Um, yeah. So, so what I do instead of leaving a market, I I add a new one. So, uh, you know, where I started out just in Arizona, and then I started doing Arizona and Kentucky weddings, and now I do Arizona, Kentucky, and Pennsylvania weddings. And you know, there's Ohio ones in there. You know, I've done them in Texas, and California, and uh, Nevada, and South Carolina. And so it just uh, it's actually kind of like good. you're opening new franchises all over the country. Um, yeah. Well, uh, for me, like if you hire me and I come out, like it's the same company it's one website uh it's just me you, you don't get anybody else it's me who comes out yeah. you know with my team uh but uh it, it's been it's been really good and um I, i've been lucky for sure and i don't know if it's just uh pure 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 luck or if i've had some hand in in, in helping make the right decision or, or the right choices along the way but it's probably mostly luck that uh, i haven't burnt it to the ground well, I'll, I'll say Aaron speaks very highly of you. And then having knowing that you were coming on the podcast and not knowing you personally, I, I looked through your website and found videos of, uh, you know, online and stuff and everything that you do looks looks excellent and top notch. So there's no question to me that it's not just luck that is drawing business your way. You take you take excellent films and excellent pictures. And so there's a reason people want to work well, with you. Well, well, thanks, Dan. I, I really appreciate that. And Aaron, thanks for saying good things about me, man. I, uh, I appreciate that. <laughs> um, but yeah, but Anytime. as far as, uh, Aaron and I working together, um, yeah, I have, I have another business, Omega Wedding Films, which I, uh, you know, kind of oversee and run. And, you know, I am, I think by being in these multiple locations, it's allowed me to move into a price bracket where the majority of people who inquire, I'm out of their price range. Um, and so for Omega, I had good, good friend of mine, Matt, he, he lives up in Phoenix and he was like my go-to second shooter for years and years and years. Um, and when I first moved to Kentucky, he's like, well, hey, man, I can I can lead some of these weddings out here in Arizona since you're out in Kentucky. And so that's how Omega started. Like it was kind of like, you know, like the brainchild of both of us. And so so I would say, hey, like I have this old second shooter who trained under me, who knows my approach. Um, and in the beginning, I was editing Omega films. Um, and so it was like a pretty similar product um, at, you know, a, a cheaper, cheaper price. So, so it just worked out well. Um, and Matt since moved on, he, he had a kid recently. I think he has another on the way. So he, uh, he stopped doing them and I forget how I got introduced to Aaron specifically, but, um, uh, it's, it's been great working with him. Probably through yeah, JD. Yeah, through JD. Yep. Cause, and Dan, do you, you, you know, JD at all or I do only through Aaron okay. because I'm, I'm, I've met all the, the Magmod guys, oh, okay, but gotcha. yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, um, so yeah, it's been great. Aaron, you, you, you know, your stuff. Well, I, I thanks. That's good to hear. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad, uh, the footage I provide isn't too much no, of a nightmare, good, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, you know, I, it probably helps that I use similar equipment to what you've been used yeah, to. Yeah. So. And, um, like as I've gotten older, uh, no, as I've just been around longer, um, like it's definitely less and less about equipment at the end of the day, especially, yeah. especially in the wedding industry. Um, you know, I think it's like super popular and in vogue these days to be a little like tribal when it comes to, to gear, which is sort of um, like an odd phenomenon when you think about it. Like, you know, when people talk about like painters and stuff, they don't obsess about what kind of brushes they used. Um but uh, right. like I'm I'm a gearhead just like anybody else. Like I like reading specs and diving into the technical stuff of it. Um, like that was oh, yeah. that, we love that. Here yeah, that was podcast. one of the appeals <laughs> for me uh, actually to like get that first DSLR. Um, like I like the 60. I remember looking at the 60D and just the fact that it had like more buttons and dials on it than the T3i was like what I like. I was like, oh, there's, this is it's like, this is more complicated. Like sign me up for that. It just seemed, it just, it, looks it just professional. seemed more like intricate and interesting. Um, just even aesthetically, yep. but, um, but yeah, so equipment's important. It is, um, for like an ROI, 
on it. I think a lot of people can get easily sidetracked about like, if I buy this, I'll make more money, which is rarely, rarely the case, honestly, especially in weddings. Cause honestly, I still deliver in 1080. I still shoot in 1080 a lot. 95% of wedding clients don't care. 90% of people don't have a 4k TV. Um, so in weddings, mm-hmm. it's like, you know, use what you have. Um, like I still shoot a lot on the original C100, especially as a B and C cam. Um, but yeah, all that said, having the same color science from all your cameras <laughs> makes your makes your job in post a lot easier, way easier. Way easier. Um, yep. Yeah, like I've I've had to match a C100 with a GH4 with a A7S all in the same shoot Ooh. and pff, a lot of hours, um, a lot of hours <laughs> spent. <laughs> And yep. uh, so, so the fact that, yeah, um, like I, I'm mostly on Canon. So the fact that you're shooting on Canon too, Aaron does streamline my workflow for sure. Oh yeah. And then when I help you out, if we use your equipment, I understand how to operate yeah, that, it. That's also Usually. very helpful as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so speaking of Canon, that actually kind of segues into one of the big questions I had for you. Uh, and we'll do a quick sidetrack to uh, gear talk. So you have the, uh, the new R5. And uh, we, we, we talked about it on our, our first podcast a little bit. Of course, we're both on the bench at the moment uh, since you can't really get one just yet. I am on some waiting lists, so hopefully soon. But we'd love to hear some um, hands-on real-life opinions on, on the yeah, R5. Yeah, I love... I love this camera. Um, it's kind of everything I hoped uh, it would be, you know, when you would kind of talk about, well, what would a professional level Canon mirrorless camera be like? Uh, it, it's definitely mm-hmm. checked all of the boxes and honestly more <laughs> than I thought we were going to get. Like I thought Canon over delivered, especially. Um, I mean, I, it just, it, yeah, it seems, I mean, it, this camera, we can talk about all the criticism it gets as well, for sure, which seems to be oh, like yeah, a given right. no matter what, uh, what, whatever they they delivered but the fact that we are getting so many flavors of 4k with h like just just the fact there is an hq 4k is like more than i thought canon was going to deliver to be honest um and i i skipped the the eos r so this is and the rp i suppose um so yeah so is this your first mirrorless from, from canon? canon yeah first mirrorless from canon um like i okay. i had well, sort well, of. You have all those cinema cameras. <laughs> well, the, the, I get the first mirrorless <laughs> stills camera from from yeah. Canon. <laughs> I'm just. But kidding. I had I had a GH4. I had an A7S. So it wasn't my first experience with a mirrorless camera, but definitely the first from Canon. And I was excited about it because those other cameras were great and what they did at their time. And so I knew the benefits. I knew um, what was, you know, coming down the pipeline as far as possibilities. And so, um, yeah, I love I love this camera. It's uh, it's 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 been a super easy transition away from my 5D4s. Um, I would love to sell my other 5D4 so I can have a pair of R5s. But um, like like I said about earlier about like justifying an ROI like um you know like I photographed a wedding two weeks ago and like the files look identical like my 5d4 and r5 files like going through Lightroom they look the same you know megapixel wise like nobody's like hey this 32 megapixel 5d4 image is not big enough for the print I want to do and like (laughs) that never happens ever and so so yeah. for me, it's just like a on the day workflow sort of uh, thing. Like, hey, do I want to go from an EVF to then optical viewfinder and back and forth throughout the day? And that's been kind of weird to do. Oh, yeah. It's definitely interesting. Um, but I'm a romantic and I, I I have kept all the like I still have the original 60D. Like I'm very sentimental about <laughs> gear at times. And so getting rid of all my 5D4s, I sold one, I had two. So I still have one left. Uh, but getting rid of that other one, it, I, I'm, I'm sentimental. I like kind of holding on to things in a weird sort of a way. Uh, but, um, yeah, the R5 has been great. I don't know if you want to jump into more specifics about it from a stills perspective or from the video side or both, if you, if you want to do that, but, uh, uh, just overarching it's, it's, it's been great to work with. Well, yeah, um, we had talked on the first episode about it. Essentially, my, in my opinion, and of course, I haven't used it yet. I just feel like it's the best hybrid option that is really out there right now. I know the the Sony A7S III came out right after. And technically, the video on that is probably a little bit better. The low light is a little better. You know, it's got less megapixels, so there's less, you know, binning and noise and all that. But I feel like as far as a hybrid system goes, it's got... You know, the, the megapixels are more than enough. It's got the dual card slots that the R was missing. And then the video stuff, you know, yeah, yeah I get some criticism for the overheating, but those are only in the like high modes that you use, the the 4K HQ stuff mm-hmm. or the 
the 120 frames, the 8K, it's stuff that, I mean, if you're shooting 8K, you're not going to be getting an R5 anyways. You're going to be looking at an actual yeah. camera. Well, so. no, it's funny to mention that it shoots an 8K after Carl says he delivers most of his <laughs> projects in 1080. Right. Well, the good news is he doesn't need any zoom lenses ever. You can shoot everything at 16 and yeah, bam. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I just crop in and post. Um, yeah, in. no. Uh, yeah, the A7S. Uh, it's it's definitely a great camera, great tool, I, or the the three rather. I ha- I don't haven't I haven't touched it or used it since it came out. I think it's a hot commodity as well, like the R five. And it mm-hmm. seems like if you only do video, then it seems to be more built towards that for sure. Um, and of course, all of this is yep. um, ignoring maybe more important contacts, and that's sort of what lens system have you already invested in? Uh, you know, I don't right. know anybody who who is doing this professionally and is invested in one sort of mount uh, and 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 glass selection. But I'm if you're switching brands, I'm sure you're losing thousands of dollars. Um, if, oh, if you're yeah. trying to yeah, yeah. To and so you know can i make that many more thousands of dollars switching uh that's the question i think anybody who is thinking about switching or you know is who is looking at moving systems would have to ask themselves and answer honestly to make that call but um from like a hybrid camera absolutely um the uh the stills that i shoot on wedding day i well any so whether it's an engagement shoot or anything stills wise on the r5 i'm shooting c raw which is canon's compressed mm-hmm. raw um and yep. it's not a smaller uh, megapixel size. The, the image resolution is still 45 megapixels, but the file size is compressed. And when I shoot R5 files, they actually take take up less space on my disk than my 5D4 raw files. Um, and oh, wow, yeah, wow. and if you do any side by side comparisons, like I don't see any any quality difference between compressed raw and I guess the full blown bloated raw. Um, and as far as what I could tell from the research I did um, from, I think I forgot the website, but it's I think it's a pretty respectable um, outlet like the imaging resource or something. They looked into mm-hmm. compressed raw in depth and, and maybe like at super highly pushed shadows, like on the red channel, there might be like any like nothing you're ever going to see. Um, so I shoot everything compressed yeah. raw. So file sizes, nothing you're ever going to see if you properly expose it, even that. even. Even even if you under like if you totally miss exposure and you're still having to increase, you know, three stops or something like you're still really not seeing it. I'm not doing it justice. How similar these the compressed raw is to oh, the wow. it's like I really not. So if, if any of the listeners have right. the time, I, I you should go. Uh, I think the imaging resource is it. Uh, go look up their, uh, their analysis of, of compressed raw. And they kind of came away like really there's no reason not to shoot compressed raw if you want to save some files file size. Um yeah, definitely. That that compressed raw too is something that the EOSR has. Um, and I've shot in that mode too, and I don't. Yeah, I can't see yeah, a difference. Yeah, it's, it's basically raw file. I just think they're using a uh, more efficient file structure. Um, well, maybe I probably sh- I'm not knowledgeable enough to actually go into how Canon is doing it or what they're specifically doing. But yeah, so I'm shooting everything C raw. Um, but to, but to nice. actually answer your question, Aaron, or maybe not answer your question, but to follow your train of thought. Uh, yeah, if somebody has the A7S III and I need somebody to second shoot a wedding from a still side like i i couldn't they couldn't use a7 s3 i'd have to ask them to have another body to shoot with and if they don't then i'd have to find somebody else because maybe they do want a larger print or um or or you know the client wants to or not really the client but i want to crop in a little bit on something 12 megapixels is kind of it's just not enough for me professionally with what i charge and what i do for somebody to come shoot a wedding and only give me 12 megapixels at the end of the day i would need something more than that so yeah i think from a hybrid if you do both if you do both professionally the r5 has more a more well-rounded um feature set but if you are mostly doing video and you just need instagram or web website photos or something uh i'm sure you you would do fine with 12 megapixels as well yeah yeah and that's been kind of the consensus um almost everywhere on the internet. So, you know, it's funny that you mentioned that imaging resource or whatever, because I was reading an article or several articles on DxO Mark, I think mm-hmm. it was. Yeah. Where they they do super in-depth scientific testing on some of these sensors. And it's so funny. Like I was reading this and thinking, oh man, you know, that's that's not really that impressive. But then I, I stopped and really thought about what I was reading. Like they, they do a test where they underexpose mm-hmm. by three and by five stops in video mode. And then they push it back to a proper exposure to see how mm-hmm. it holds up. And so the R5, they pushed, they said, you know, three exposures up, like you couldn't really see a difference from the proper exposure. Wow. They're like, really? At about four exposures, it starts to fall apart in the shadows. There's a little bit of noise. And I'm like, man, just think 
think about that, like how far we've come where we're complaining that if you miss by four stops, <laughs> that you're going to get some noise in the shadows if you try to correct yeah, it. Yeah, it's, it's, we're really, our, our shortcomings are only ours. You know, you know what I mean? Like the yeah. camera's not the limiting factor anymore. Uh, no. uh, not to make excuses for myself shooting concerts back in 2011, but you know, on the 60D and that little 18 megapixels crop sensor, anything above like 1250 ISO, I remember was my upper limit i'd sometimes go to 1600 and it was like eh, anything over 1600 looked like like dog poo like 100 it was terrible it swiss cheese yeah it's yeah. like probably close to 20,000 iso now like on an r5 or, or something similar it, it's it's huge how far those yeah. improvements have come um i've pushed the osr to 16,000 25,600 i had a wedding where the power went out so we had no lights yeah. and I, di- I didn't have flashes set up because you know it was lit i didn't need them and when something like that happens, you're like, oh, you know, God, I, I don't know what to do. So, I mean, I was shooting 50, uh, it was a Sigma mm-hmm. 50, 1.4, at 1.4, and I was having to go to 16,000. That's how dark it was. But it was, it was yeah, fine. I, and honestly, I, it looked better. The noise and everything looked better than my 5D4, and it looked better than, I had somebody second shooting for me. I think they have a D750. It actually, I even liked it better than that. Yeah, so. I, um, I try and light things now as much, especially weddings, as much as I can so that I'm not going above, you know, 3200 ISO, but 6400, 8000 yeah. even, like it's totally usable. Um, and I think, yep. I, I don't know what the difference is at those ISOs between the R5 and A7S. Three, I, I'm assuming the latter is a little bit better because of that lower megapixel count and higher, higher pixel yeah. sight. But I mean, to, yeah, anyways, yeah. So they're both great cameras, but the, the R5 is, I'm, I'm liking it. It's been great. Awesome. Well, I mean, that that's plenty of answer for me. I don't know, Dan, if you have any specific questions on that, but that's that's a good synopsis. No, if it's 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 your first your first mirrorless that you use for hybrid. Well, you know, you say your first Canon mirrorless. Yeah, correct. My first Canon. Um, your first Canon mirrorless. Yeah. How do you, how are you finding the, the eye autofocus to, to be, is it you find you're losing people or do you find it's pretty, pretty spot No, it's on? great. Um, especially uh, from, from both video and still side, like video side, it's, it's fantastic. Like, um, you know, I, I still, you know, as recently I got, I got the R5 at the end of July or like the, like I, I remember I pre-ordered as early, like early as I could. And I got one of the first shipments from B&H. So I had it pretty early on. So I've been able to sh- shoot weddings, August, you know, August, September, October uh, with it. So three months now, and it's been great. But, you know, before COVID happened, <laughs> uh, my last wedding was that they were back in February. I was still using a 5D4 for video um, and, and of course stills. And like, I wouldn't even use the autofocus on the 5D4. Just, I mean, it still got the touch to tracking, but it just, it would lose like an object pretty easily. So I just always ran manual focus on my 5D4. Um, with with wow. the R5, I'm always running autofocus on it now. Um, you know, I have it set to faces and eyes and from a pretty substantial distance, it's able to pick up faces um, and even eyes. And especially if you're using it on a gimbal, it just it just takes takes that whole focus sort of uh, <laughs> mental gymnastics out of the equation. You know, before with a 5D4, you know, I would, you know, have to keep my distance, just be really cognizant of that distance between you and the subject. Same thing when I was on like a glide cam way back in the day. Um, so I wasn't really doing a lot of playing with like pushing in or moving away from the subject like you know i was always kind of keeping that distance set because my my lens was set to manual focus and i was it was set at something so i wasn't running in real quick to the couple and and having that focus pull with that movement whereas now i am doing that with the r5 and it's giving more dynamic shots um from a still side it's even more of an improvement um I, well, you have all those fo- focus points mm-hmm. too. Yeah, I improve, way improved over the five. Yeah, four. tracking with the R five, it just it just gives me more deliverable shots. Um, just the, everything's in focus. Um, I mean, it'll still miss like every now and then, but it's very rare, very rare. Um, whereas like a five D four, if I was shooting like a processional with a seventy two hundred, uh, you know, I might have like a you know with people walking down the aisle, I might have like a 80 percent keeper rate. Um, and then there'd be you know that other thirty percent that. Would be slightly out of focus it wouldn't be like completely you know missed but you could tell like the subject was had moved just just before the focus uh you know moved to catch up to the speed of the subject whereas now mm-hmm. it's like 97 percent 
are in focus and it's good focus. And I shoot professionals now like nice. an F 1.6 because it can handle it. Uh, so uh, wow. this, the trade off on that is that I'm spending a little bit more time in post now because I have so many in, in focus where before when you're calling, you're just like, oh, this is out of focus. Delete it. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. You know, like, oh, look at that. Like the total number of photos I have now is going down. Uh, now it's like, oh, I have like 16 really sharp photos of this father and bride. And then I'm like studying their 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 faces a little bit more to try and find like some like the more emotive yep. image. So I'm, sp- I'm spending a little bit more time in post, maybe as an un- unintended consequence of having great focus. But I'd, I'd rather be doing that yeah. than, uh, you know, having a blurry photo and not having a special moment. So. Uh, well, you'd always rather have more deliverable images than 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 less. I've I've never gotten home and been like, you know, I wish I took less images of that particular moment. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I have too much footage. Yeah, so, yeah. so the I the IAF is great, and the face tracking is great. Um, it really does translate to that more deliverable images, as you said. Uh, but then also the nice. other like for for tracking, it's huge. But the other benefit is even stationary subjects at like a faster aperture. Um, so like at f one six or one four, even uh, you know, I have I have the Canon. 50L, um, the EF mount. And by the way, I don't think I said this yet, but I'm shooting all adapted glass on the R5. I don't, I don't even own RF lens. Because uh, they're so expensive. But they're good. Uh, yeah, and I have all the I have all the EF versions and, you know, it comes down to that question I mentioned earlier in the podcast, like, hey, can I make more money spending this money? Like, am I going to get an ROI on this? And, you know, having the 20 to 70 RF version versus the 24 to 70 EF adapted, like my clients are going to know the difference. So unless... Unless for right. me, like I would rather have some sort of usability or workflow benefit. Um, I'm trying to. That special extra ring, man. <laughs> the extra. Yeah, the, the setting ring or whatever. People are totally using that. Um, <laughs> yeah, I sense that sarcasm there. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. And, and so the adapters I have are like the dumb. Well, I have I have the ND adapter, but the other one is like the dumb one that doesn't have the, the control ring on it. Dude, that that's one big reason to keep the EF uh, lenses is that ND filter behind the lens built into the adapter is wonderful. Yeah, from from a video perspective, it's uh, it makes it a such such a uh, more complete uh, filmmaking tool having that EF uh, oh, yeah. variable, you know, behind. It's more yeah, like a it cinema is, camera. It is, it's, it, I mean, I would I would prefer a cinema camera at the end of the day, to be honest, but but uh, oh, yeah. it's mm-hmm. it's a pretty close uh, user experience. Um, but sure. anyway, so with the, the 50L at 1.6, you get a lot of chromatic aberration. Um, you get a lot of purple fringing. And especially if you're just slightly out of focus, if it's still deliverable, um, but slightly out of focus, you have to clean that all up in Lightroom. And so the R5, I'm, I'm, I am spending less time on things like chromatic aberration and having to deal with other issues like that because it is it's better in focus. And so that that saves me time there. Nice. Awesome. Yeah, I talked to, um, speaking of the adapter, I talked to a Canon guy, actually at a couple of different trade shows going with, you know, Magmod to them. And he kind of explained to me the the mount or the uh, adapter for EF to R. RF mount literally just adds that space back in because the biggest part about mirrorless and the RF is the back element is like millimeter is like super, super close to the sensor. Whereas EF, you had like a good, you know, inch or something around that of space between that back element and the sensor because the mirror had to be in the way. So literally that mount is just making up the difference that you lost from going mirrorless. So everything else is identical. Like when you use an actual Canon adapter, I'm sure there's good third party ones too, but it's just putting that space back in between. Um, so you're not really losing any functionality. Well, nice. So we can kind of shift away from gear a little bit again. Actually, before we before we leave gear, I have one more question. I have a question for you. So the lie I tell myself, Carl, and you may, may relate to this, is that if I buy this new piece, of, not only will the, the products I, or the, whatever I produce with this gear is going to be better um, when the truth is, uh, if I'm not going out and taking pictures with my current camera, a, a new camera is not change that. Um, is there something that you bought in your career that you you had to have at the moment and then just like a couple months later were filled with regret because you didn't oh, use it? Oh, man. Um, I'm sure there is absolutely something um off off the top of my head i'm i'm drawing a blank uh just because in the beginning i was super frugal like i was bought everything i bought was used like all like the 60d i bought was used when i got i I got a original 5d like before the mark ii because i wanted a full frame camera and so like getting the 5d mark ii back then was still like close to three grand and so i got the 5d original and then i got the 5d anyway so 
every body I've ever bought, C100s I bought were used. Um, I was, you know, buying all the Samyang Rokinang, Rokinon lenses early on to get that faster aperture. Um, so everything was, I mean, I, you know, <laughs> when you're trying to build a career in this and you're not making a lot of money, you really find ways for that money to, to work for you and maximize, um, that value that you get for your dollar. So, yeah. um, I wasn't, I wasn't splurging and, uh, buying things, um, that I didn't quote need. And I, I tried to wait to get a job that I could then justify buying something. Like I remember I landed some commercial gig for a furniture manufacturer down in Tucson. And, you know, we had to light these big pieces of furniture. Um, it was like all steel welded furniture, very industrial, huge pieces. And pff, I think I had like these tiny Amazon lights that were like the size of like a wallet. And so I remember I had to get some, some RE, uh, like 650 Ks, 1K, like these big tungsten lights that could throw a lot of output. You know, this was before aperture and, you know, affordable LEDs. So oh, yeah, I remember right. buying those and, um, saying, well, I'll, I'll use these for this job. So that's why I'm going to justify this purchase. Um, but uh, to kind of get at the heart of your question of something I regret, um, yeah, I, I guess I'm going to disappoint you and say, no, like I've actually, <laughs> I feel like everything I bought has been a wise decision. You've been a smarter person than I have. <laughs> well, I'm sure, I'm sure if I, if I remember it later or if something pops into my head. Two, two things I can think of offhand were I had to have a GoPro before I was set to, I was going to go on a, a missions trip where I was going to be the videographer. Mm -hmm. And there was always moments where we would be going near water or something like that. And I thought, I have to have a GoPro to do this. And I bought it. I used it uh, for an hour and a half and footage was terrible. And I hate, I didn't use it, <laughs> any of it in the final product, but I had to have it. The other one is uh, something I just picked up from Aaron's house right before our podcast. Oh, <laughs> which is my Ronin S gimbal, which has done more work for you, Carl and Aaron, than it's ever done. Oh, that's for your gimbal. That's true. That's that, my that Aaron's gimbal. been using. Aaron, you freeloader. Yes. Yep. <laughs> yeah, those are the two things I can think of okay. offhand. Dan and I have a revolving door of, of well, that's, gear. That's that is, true. That is good to have, especially you know if you guys each have something different that helps the other. That's that's a good good thing to have as, as a friendship. Yep. Yeah, for sure. And Stan's got lots of stuff, and I had a 16 to 35 he used one time. <laughs> I borrowed your 135 and uh, oh, maybe something true. else. Yep. Yeah. Cool. All right. So I have I have a question uh, for Carl, and uh, you, of course, can uh, plead the fifth if you don't want to answer this one, but I think it might be fun <laughs> for some people to hear. <laughs> do you have, as I'm sure anybody who's in the wedding industry, uh, do you have a particular uh, horror wedding story, like just a some terrible situation uh, from a wedding that you can recall? Um, I mean, nothing that's um, like uh, sort of embarrassingly bad, but um, I mean, I've had like legitimately bad things happen. I remember shooting one wedding and um, it was during toasts and you just hear this loud sort of collapse and then followed by a scream. And I look over oh, no. and the father of the bride had collapsed and he was on his back fell out of his chair at the reception and i run like a beeline and uh i'm over there i'm opening his airway i'm taking his pulse you know telling somebody oh, wow. to call 911 and uh like i was i was a lifeguard for i don't know like 10 years uh, i worked at the u of a rec center like i managed all of the lifeguards at the rec center at u of oh, a wow. for a while and so like i I was teaching Red Cross uh, lifeguard cert classes. And so like, I was like instantly in lifeguard, save this man's life mode. So anyways, he got taken Great. off in an ambulance to the hospital uh, the night of his daughter's wedding, which was, which put a damper on things, unfortunately. Uh, thankfully he was totally okay. Um, they just think he was dehydrated. Um, um, mm. he, he ended up coming back to the wedding that night, but uh, he left the wedding and it was kind of awkward and kind of a downer for like half an hour, but people still danced after that. And the, the couple tried to, you know, Hey, like wow. we're still our wedding, you know, let's still make the best of it. Like the wedding didn't end. The bride didn't go off with her father. Um, her mother did. So like it was, it, 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 I mean, it was a downer and I felt terrible, but um, apparently after I left, he actually returned from the hospital that night and still danced with his daughter. That's um, good. So yeah, oh, it had a happy ending. Uh, so, but that was that's probably good. the top crazy thing. Um, I'm sure there's something I'm forgetting because I've, I've certainly seen a lot. You know, I've seen people light uh, sparklers uh, on fire when they were, you know, holding like 50 of them together in a bunch. 
Oh no! And it, it is legitimately an explosion that kind of happens once they all ignite at the same time. And so, mm-hmm. so there was a lot of chaos that night. Nothing burned to the ground or anything, but um, I think somebody got burned a little bit on their hands. <laughs> but uh, yeah, some hot magnesium yeah, for you. But uh, yeah, nothing. Uh, nothing. Oh, I got another great one. Um, this one is just more awkward. So we were shooting. This was actually one of Omega's first weddings and it was up in Sedona and I I helped out for the first one I shot it and uh, we were in Sedona up at a place called Cathedral Rock no not Cathedral Rock uh, it was Merry-Go-Round Rock uh, and you have to take a jeep to get there you know you take this off-road trail maybe three or four miles but because it's an off-road trail you know you're going along it four miles an hour and it takes you 25 minutes 30 minutes to go to three miles or whatever it is And Mm -hmm. it's beautiful wedding uh, on the edge of this, this rock looking over a valley up in Sedona and uh, the ceremony is beautiful. And we stayed back with the bride and groom to do, you know, portraits and get some cinematic footage. And I flew the drone and everything. And so everybody gets back in the Jeeps to go back down to the hotel for the reception. And they leave me and the photographer and the couple a Jeep and we're all going to go, go down on that one. Um, So everybody leaves, you know, five o'clock sunsets at six or whatever. And so we're shooting up till six reception starts at like 645, at least their entrances. So we go to the car and it turns out nobody gave the groom a key. Oh, to the car wow. and and so we're like stuck on up this mountain and it's a minimum 30 minute ride for somebody just to get up there to give us a key and then another 30 minute ride to get back down so oh, well, no. we're kind of like registering the consequences of all this and like the best solution while the groom is like frantically calling people the photographer says wait i think i can catch the last group that left which was like 15, 20 minutes ago. She hands me her camera. And before I can say anything, like she's running down the trail and the sun is setting, like it's getting dark. And then she just goes around the corner. So this photographer, I won't name her name, but she legitimately just ran down this trail and just peaced out. And so what happens is 30 minutes go by, somebody comes up and another 30 minutes goes by. So we're driving down the mountain and then the photographer finally calls and it's like, hey, I didn't catch them. And I'm like, of course you didn't catch them. Like they left like 30 minutes ago. I'm at, Chipotle, I'm at Chipotle, come pick me up. And so we go to Chipotle to pick this. This is a really strange story. And it was just really weird all around. So we go to Chipotle, pick her up. And she's like, thanks for the wedding. Drop me off at my car. My time is up because she had like an hourly package that expired. And she didn't even go to the reception. Like she just peaced out after that because like her time was up. So, uh, yeah, it was wow. oh it was my. unfortunate for the couple. But, you know, there's a lot of people in the industry who I don't know, like, I, I mean, maybe she was going to be done after the ceremony anyways and was going to cut. I I don't know the package or contract that she had with the couple, but um, it was just wow. weird. So, yeah. But wow. did you did you get any photos for them at the reception? Um, we were able to do screenshots from our video. Um, oh, okay. so, so, yeah. Oh, and, nice. and so they still had a nice reception and, and they have the screenshots. But yeah, so but those okay. are probably the weirdest stories that I can think of off the top of my head. Those are some good ones. I, I, uh, I used to DJ a lot of weddings. Now I only do it for friends and stuff like that. But one wedding in particular was at the Tucson Museum of Art. And, uh, one of the groomsmen had broken a chair outside. It was kind of uncomfortable. And then, uh, they, it was one of those where they have like three best men. So all of them and three maids of honor, and they're all giving speeches and it gets down to the the final best man speech and it starts thundering. It looks like it's going to rain. So in the middle of his speech, just this loud crack of thunder and uh the the best man shouts not now god it's my time (laughs) that's pretty good (laughs) he finishes his speech and we pack up everything and go inside and we had to do the rest of the reception inside because it pouring rain rest of the night but i I wish there was a videographer there there was no they didn't have a video package or anything but just the 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 just a loud crack of thunder and then him shouting at the sky was pretty hilarious good timing (laughs) Yeah. Well, uh, Dan, did you did you have another question? No, that would that that would have been mine. It's just something where you looked at you almost looked at somebody uh, who was there with you and went, "I can't believe that just happened." Uh, having a <laughs> photographer run after a jeep that left twenty minutes before is a pretty I can't believe that happened moment. Yeah, I was worried yeah. she was gonna roll her ankle on the trail, you know, like break her ankle and then like get eaten by coyotes because like the sun was going down and like there's some like you know two foot drops off rocks like just on this trail because it's it's like an off-road trail and so i'm glad she was okay but i was just like like she didn't like think of she didn't like talk about it with us she was just like i think i can catch him hold my camera and then she's off and like within two wow. seconds and so it was that's just my little, time it's just a little bananas she's like i'm at chipotle and i'm like
like, this is like so weird. It was just weird. It was just so weird. <laughs> That's very weird. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, uh, so I have, uh, let's see, maybe two smaller questions to kind of uh, take us take us out here. One of them is, um, we, me and Dan kind of talk about this each time we we have a podcast and and that is what are some projects you're either working on now or maybe something you have coming up really soon that you're really excited about? Yeah, no, that's a, that's a good question. And I have a terrible answer now just because <laughs> unfortunately, I think just with COVID and everything, like honestly, all the commercial work has been put on hold. Like I've done some <laughs> since since COVID ended or ended, sorry, started. Jeez, wouldn't that be nice since I yeah. could have that sentence since COVID ended. Um, <laughs> since COVID started, yeah, it's been, most things have just been pushed to the back burner. So don't really have a lot of irons in the fire right now, unfortunately. Uh, but I'm thankful that I do have some weddings. Um, and this spring looks pretty good for me as far as bookings go. Um, if it stays that way, we'll we'll see as it draws near. But um, yep. yeah, I, unfortunately, I don't have like a really cool project right now that I'm working on that I can share details uh, about, but um, I'm just glad that I have some work here and there with weddings um, coming up because I know some people haven't been as fortunate and lucky um, and have Mm -hmm. just had everything pushed, rescheduled, canceled um and so i am i'm thankful that at least i have some some work in the pipeline still yeah dude if it if it wasn't for uh second shooting for some of your stuff um and i think i have one other second shoot gig i have coming up i i would have nothing for this year yeah uh, because everything has been pushed off it's been a brutal year for sure Uh, like i don't know what my bottom line is going to look like at the end of the year but it's going to be very small compared to most other years for sure well small small tax day i guess yeah exactly like my estimated quarterly tax pay have been a lot easier to send off record yeah. <laughs> less tears <laughs> yeah less tears for sure well it, it's all right that you don't have anything you're excited about because that kind of um leads us into the the other question that i have was what do you think was probably your all-time favorite project you worked on now it might be hard to limit it down to one but what's one that you like always think about that was the most fun for you um i remember having a blast uh shooting i think it was for two different years, I did all of the video and photo work for the U of A Ice Cats, their ice hockey team. Yeah. Um, and I remember doing um, like, I mean, I don't think they ended up broadcast commercials. I don't think they ever sent them to any any local Tucson stations, but I know they played them at games uh, to like pump up the crowd um, and stuff. Some like hype video that I made for them. Uh, this must have been 2004, 2015, 2014, 2015 or so maybe. And oh man, I had so much fun with that. You know, we were at the Tucson Convention Center. You know, I'm out on the ice. We have like full control of the arena. You know, I'm telling them to turn on these lights, turn off these lights. You know, I'm scooting around on my boots on the ice and and, and <laughs> trying to get these skaters to, you know, uh, do these sequences. And I, I just, I went into this sort of giddy, like, like, ex- like, I'm trying to like think of all these, you know, shots we need to get and trying to stick to the production schedule. I'm thinking about lighting, cam op. Um, and, you know, of course, most of my stuff is a minimal crew like I, I don't have like it not directing with a dp and a gaffer and a focus puller and a first ad like it's usually just me and a, you know like two other assistants or one other assistant you know i'm managing talent you know setting up lights you know doing all the cam op uh pretty much one man band type stuff and so um but and, and that's usually really stressful for me um you know i'm i'm i feel like i'm a pleasure to work with hopefully i am from the client's perspective but like i'm thinking about so much and like i'm not like just chilling, just having a laughing kind of happy time usually when I'm working. Um, but this time I was like, I was on the ice and just, man, I, I was just having a blast. So, uh, that's, so you, you were on boots. You didn't throw on ice skates for that. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't throw on ice skates. I was on boots just oh, sort no. of scooting around like a kid. And it was, <laughs> I would have taken that opportunity to skate around. Oh yeah. I still have my hockey skates sitting out in the shed. I used to do skate a lot well see that's a difference you wouldn't end up with a concussion putting on ice skates whereas <laughs> i probably would have so i think i made the right call there that's the that's the hint that you're from buffalo new york that you know how to ice skate no 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 so i actually learned how to ice skate here in tucson i moved from buffalo when i was five i my first job was at gateway ice center so i got to skate all day every day yeah. There used to be multiple ice centers here in Tucson back in the day. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, back in the day. Yeah. Well, most people never, people people I talked to are like, really? The University of Arizona has a hockey team? <laughs> yeah. And it's like. Club. Yeah. It's, it's a club. club but yeah. uh, but there is a ice rink in, well, the other, I don't know if you know this, but they, I don't know if they still do, but they had to drive to Phoenix, Chandler for practice 
back when I was working with the team. Like they couldn't even practice at the TCC because like Disney on Ice had the ice rink or they had something else going on and the ice just was not available regularly for them. So they would get on a bus and drive the hour and 30 minutes up to Chandler. I don't know how many days a week just to practice there and back. Um, So so that's commitment from those players there, uh, which was... But yeah, that was that was probably the most memorable uh, gig as far as um, like the one I most like I had the most fun doing. Um, yeah. Sweet. Awesome. That's awesome. Great. Well, that's uh, all the questions I have that I can think of. Yeah, it's been it's been cool to talk to you and get to know you because uh, Aaron talks about you a lot. So to hear kind of how you started and uh, now you're this this big media company that makes uh, these awesome films and, and, and product videos. It's just it's cool to get to know your story a little bit. Well, thanks, man. I, I appreciate that, Dan. Um, and Aaron, appreciate you for saying all those good things about me, dude. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, it was it was great being on with you guys. And um, I'm happy to come on again if there's anything exciting that develops in my life that might might be interesting to your audience. <laughs> Definitely. Oh, just keep us posted. Yeah. <laughs> all right, Carl. Well, appreciate your time, man. Of course. All right, guys. Well, uh, thanks right. for having me. Yeah. Thanks, Carl. Yeah, appreciate it. Yeah. I'll talk to you guys later. All right. Bye. All right. All right. See, see you later. All right. That was our conversation with Carl. What a cool guy. Yeah. Uh, remember, if you're looking to book weddings, you can find them at csmweddingfilms.com or at Omega. Uh, what's the website there, Aaron? Omegaweddingfilms.com. We want to just thank Carl for, for joining us and spending uh, an hour or more of his time chatting with a couple of gear nerds like us. Yeah, we definitely appreciate it. It was awesome getting to hear his start and uh, found out that all three of us kind of have a lot of beginnings in common with our photo and video careers. Yeah, so uh, we're going to post a concert photo from each of us, early concert photos, so don't don't yes. judge us too harshly. We'll we'll put it up there and and we'll let you guess whose photo is who. It might be easy cuz I think I gave away who I photographed in mine, but uh, That's true you did. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, look for that on our Instagram, uh, all of our concert photos. And uh, don't forget too, you can find us on all the social medias, uh, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, all of those are the AV Room Pod. That's T H E A V R O O M P O D. And uh, also the AV Room Pod at gmail.com if you want to email us and uh, let us know what you want to hear us talk about or anything like that. Or if you disagree with us or agree with us on a topic, we may not agree with you, but you can let us know. Yeah, please do. Well, for now, this was the AV Room, and I'm Aaron. And I'm Dan. We'll see you next time in the AV Room. That's right. Bye.